the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the week 11 edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Piver here with Rob Antonell. This week presented by Liquid IV and Pedialyte. And also Ground Zero MMA you want to get into any sort of MMA, boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, yoga, private lessons, kids training, really uh, sweat out the demons from this past weekend, you can head on down to 133 First Street Northeast, Maslin, 44646, across from Maslin Transmission and Chloe's Diner, or check them out online, GroundZeroMMA.com, GroundZero Maslin Martial Arts on Facebook, or GZ underscore MMA on Instagram. So... Kind of goes without saying, uh, you know, the game. Last weekend, Madison comes out on top, 23-13, and it wasn't even a little bit that close. Uh, Rob, let's hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about off-air a couple of times, I I try not to look into the games too much against McKinley, Uh, you know, just trying to come out with a dub, and uh, we did, so... I mean, that that's all I really care about Week 10. Uh, you know, the offense did some stuff, uh, probably uh, didn't meet expectations in other areas. Um, but, you know, all I really look for Week 10 is a W. I think the defense played lights out. You take away two plays, and McKinley might not score all game. So uh, I think they did a great job. And at the end of the day, we got the W, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> I think first half, offense came out, pretty much did what they wanted, ran the ball down the throat. Uh, Banks's touchdown reception was a really good play off of the smash Z post we've been running the hell out of. We can get into that a little more in film breakdown, but I thought it was a good counter, you know, something I don't think we've seen this year up until week 10, something to, you know, hold on to and show something I'm filming of. Eventually, defense is going to play on it. They bit on the Z post, and we just hit, Banks right down the seam for a tutty. Uh, ground game, I mean, Trail, Pringle, even Little Lennox, they were pretty much doing what they wanted on the ground. I think the uh, McKinley's defense was a little more stout than we expected, I think. But, I mean, it's just as big a game for them. They came out firing. Uh, second half, it seemed like offense was sputtering a little bit, but we pretty much had that game in hand. And like you said, defense, man, just absolutely played phenomenal. You know, the first touchdown, just missed a tackle in the open field. Second one, they put to get, managed to put together a little drive at the end. Um, just found a mismatch with the corner they liked. Got the touchdown. Even tried to go right back to it to, for the uh, two-point conversion, but didn't get it there. Things got a little chippy at the end. Props to Antonio Hall for calling a timeout and, you know, cooling the guys down, like, Rob, I know you had a pretty good take on that one. Yeah, it's pretty much what you just said, quoting me. Uh, No, I mean, I'm assuming that's what he was doing. Uh, He called a timeout, and it's kind of like, why would you take a timeout in this situation? Uh, I think it's because there was almost a second incident, 
and uh, he probably just needed to remind his players that if you get ejected, you can't play in the playoff game or the first half of the playoff game or some kind of suspension for next week. So yeah. just one of those things where at that point, McKinley had already conceded. They didn't go for the onside kick. Well, they did, and then they got the penalty on it, and then it's like, yeah, let's after back the, it up, boys. After the second time, they ended up not doing the onside kick, which is just the, okay, game's over. Yep. You know, here's the ball. Let's end the game. Uh, so it's like, all right, we conceded. Let's not fight and ruin any chances for the playoff game. So I, I imagine that's why they took the timeout. Uh, I, I think, you know, in a perfect world, you could have gotten that message across immediately after the fight where a kid got ejected. Yeah. Uh, so then you wouldn't have had to call a timeout the next play. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I assume that's why that they took the timeout, just to uh, remind the kids of that. And if so, that's that's a good job on their part. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was kind of mad just because of how absolutely hilarious it would have been that we didn't take a shot right after that. But, I mean, we did the right thing. You know, just run the game clock out, get a couple more runs in, pack it up, boys, and celebrate that dub. Um Overall, I, I was looking through the box score a little bit. I mean, we were impressive defensively. They finished the game with, and he's just looking at the raw stats. Uh, they had 18 rushing attempts, ended up getting just 26 yards on the ground. Uh, duh, duh, duh. Had the They only had the ball for one minute in the first quarter. You know, we just, with that ground game, we dominated time possession. We finished the game with 32 minutes. Uh, with the ball, they only had it for 15. They went 0 for 8 on third down and 1 or 2 on fourth, while we were cool 6 for 13 on third, but 3 for 4 on fourth down. So pretty much just did what we wanted uh, all game, even though, you know, like we said, kind of sputtered a bit in the second half, but for the most part just absolutely dominated. Um, let me see here. Passing Slaughter, 10 for 14, 157 yards and a tutty. Ill-advised, you know, double-clutched it on the fake bubble-and-go to Banks, I think. I get giving your guy the opportunity to jump ball, but, you know, toss it out of bounds, kid. Other than that, like, everybody played a clean game, got out with that dub. Uh, Tailgate was phenomenal, start to finish. You know, we got there, got there early, set up, Blair and Floyd, and I think at like you know ten, eleven o'clock, I'm thinking like this is just too perfect right now. And I got a little bit worried, but after that first couple drives, kind of put that to bed. So overall, phenomenal day. Um, got the bell for another year, seven in a row. What is it, eleven in the last twelve or something like that? Sounds about right. Say eleven at twelve. So they wanted fifteen. And then we've won, so 12 to 22, we went 9 and 1 regular season. And then also got that win against them in the playoffs in 12, so 10 of 11, sure. Okay. Quick mental math there. But, yeah, I mean, can't ask for a better day. Weather was amazing. Food was great. Again, big shout out to uh, Max Julian and the tailgate sponsorship there. And just awesome seeing everybody. But, hey, nothing beats Pete McKinley, man. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's what you, uh, you're you going into it, hoping. You know, a uh, beautiful day, uh, big crowd, 
great tailgate. Um, and then you go out there and you beat McKinley. So that's all you can ask for. I mean, I, I think if you wanted to get a little bit more specific into the game there, as, as you brought it up, that was one of my talking points uh, that I wasn't going to get into unless it got brought up. But, you know, that, that interception, I, I understand. You know, he missed inside, mm-hmm. right? You'd rather be, you'd rather miss outside on that throw. To me, it looked like he didn't want to throw it. Yeah, you know, like, I think that's where the double clutch was. Well, first off, he had a guy, I think, in his face off the left edge immediately. Mm-hmm. So he steps up as a double clutch, throws it. In my perspective, it looked like it's a one-man route. Like, here you go. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Slaughter, we are throwing a jump ball to Banks right here. That's your only option. Do it. Now, yeah, you'd rather miss outside. Then it's an incomplete, or he has a better chance of, of catching it. <clears throat> you don't want to miss inside, but... That was kind of another theme that I saw. Not really a theme, but you know, two different instances where you're you're kind of giving Slaughter one option. Uh, it's a, it's a one man route. This is what we're doing. Um, earlier in the game, we ran that uh, wheel to trail. Yeah, the uh, boot throwback wheel. And that was another one of those scenarios where I think Slaughter only has one place he can throw it, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Right? I think you had Banks on the crossing route. Yeah, he was you- o- he was open. Um, but all the way, it's the, this is the play we're running. You have one choice, roll out, look back, and you have that wheel route. Uh, I mean, it wasn't wide open, right? It wasn't just a completely blown coverage thing, but he was open enough to complete the pass. And, you know, it's it's a great play, but I, I'd like for, I'd like Slaughter to have more options. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that one route play concept Mm -hmm. because when it is covered, then what do you, I mean, what are you going to do? You, st- you still have the young quarterback, and yeah. you can teach him like it's there or out of bounds. But, yeah, I mean, I think he does well with working the field. So, I, I wouldn't – it's not like we're doing it all the time. But no. I-, I would like to see maybe that taken away. Then again, if he throws it out of bounds to Banks, like this probably isn't even a talking point. No. So, uh, nitpicking for sure. But – that's just like something that I noticed. A little one man route. You're only giving Slaughter one option. I mean, so it's not you're only giving Slaughter one option. It's not like it is a one man route, and it isn't. It's your running your not necessarily trick plays, but like constraint plays off the stuff you do all the time. That with the route the banks, it's you got the inside guy running the bubble. Banks is fake blocking the bubble and then going corner just having to play it well. With the boot throwback, it's so. What was the second option on that play then? Just banks down the sideline. Yeah, that's it. It's it's a constraint play, right, but well, what you're doing that's opening up the bubble for the rest of the game because now that corner really does sit there, have to think like, oh shit, that they, you know, they called this once. I can't just keep biting on it. I under, I understand that. Um, I understand the reasoning for it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change the fact that it was a one man route. Yeah. It it is a one man route, yes. but it's more schematically. It's it's not just hey banks go win on this ball. It's you're running the fake bubble and go, and you know we got a touchdown on that against Glen Oak. We've ran the fake screen and go mm-hmm. for years. It's done great. It's if it wasn't an interception, it's nothing to write home about. Um, it's I like agree. it's like what you said about the you know letting Cade York go for the record in the Browns game yesterday. If he gets it, you know, he's got the record. If he misses, nobody remembers the misses. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. It's just one of those like where you, you need to execute it. Yeah. You know, it need that needs to be 
a touchdown or incompletion. Like, you can't come away mm-hmm. with interception. I think the wheel route is actually more dangerous. It's because it's blind to slaughter. Well, it's to not start with. It's yeah, you're starting no in the blind. blind. It, yeah, you are. You're starting the blind. It's a harder. I would imagine that's a harder read. Yeah. Because by the time he's turning around, you know the timing of the play. You know, it's you're not reading the whole flow of the defense with that. I'd imagine. I, listen, if that play is covered, if he turns around and the wheel is covered, mm-hmm. I guess you just have to throw it twenty yards over his head. Yeah. Into the sideline, but. But that's a play you're not calling unless you see the defense just commit to the run. And yeah. at that point, we're running it down the throat. Um, I know we talked about it in the stands. You know, you'd kind of like to see it with, you know, maybe get the actual the normal boot and then read the field to his normal rollout and then call the boot throwback. But uh, there's a sequence of play calling, and coaches are looking for specific things in the defense, and they're not going to dial that up unless they're pretty confident it's going to work. You know, there's another one-man route that happened later in the game, the touchdown to Banks. So we got a touchdown to Banks, a beautiful pitching catch uh, on the throwback, and then the interception on the bubble and go. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So. I'm just trying to remember which one you're talking about. The four-vert Z-post. It's not a one-man route. It pretty much no, is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Out of here. Z, if the safety stays with Banks, the Z post is wide open. What are you talking about? Yeah, but he's... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how they... He's play. reading no, listen, Banks no all way. the way. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, and if the... That cor- safety stays with Banks, that corner has the Z post just wide open over the middle. Okay, and if the corner bails on the fake bubble and go, you got the bubble open, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, see? No, that's not. The we same. can do this all day. Four man, <laughs> four verts is a one man route. Get out of here. You're not smash. That's what you wanted to happen. Smash Z but post it's not a is one man, man route. route. You're not reading the smash side. You're reading the Z post. Four vert Z post. There's really only you. You're calling that to hit banks up the seam, and that's what he. That's what he's throwing. That's what he's throwing all day. All right. Yeah, there's other there's other stuff there. I mean, you want to call the we can really get into this. The boot throwback's not a one man route. You're running a flood concept of the field. But the timing of it is he's selling the flood with zero intention of ever throwing that because he's not coached to. Just like the Z post. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Bring Trox on here. Have a Bring conversation Trox on about here. this. Listen, I love Trox, but if he tells me that safety rides Banks on that play, and so does the corner. And you're letting the Z post go without... No, that's bullshit. You are throwing that if the safety covers the fade. And if you're not, then... Well, Matt, he should have thrown the bubble on the interception then. (laughs) Should have thrown it out of bounds. Should have thrown it out of bounds. We're we're nitpicking, but now you're like defensively nitpicking. I mean, listen, it's... You install that as a counter to regular smash Z post. That it's going to Banks... All day, every day. Okay. I understand you're doing it against teams that pass off the Smash the Post well. Yes. But that... Okay, whatever. It's not a one-man route. <laughs> a primary receiver is not a one-man route. I, he's not going through progression on that. The progression is, oh, look, the safety jumped the post. That means Banks is open. That is the progression. If that safety stays on Banks, I mean, you could throw it. It's a one-on-one fade, but yeah. like that, it's not a one. Okay, whatever. 
mean, at this point, I don't even know how much I believe what I just said anymore, just for the sake of getting an argument on the show, because it's fun. Yeah, if the safety bail... Alright, you're getting actual Hank right now. If the safety bails, yeah, he's throwing the Z-post. But the idea of the play call is that it's going to max. Yeah, you can design play calls for specific things. They all counter off each other. It's, our, a, it's a great play call. And our sophomore quarterback is probably treating that like a one-man route nine times out of ten. Don't tell other defenses that. Yeah, that's what we got regular Smash Z post for. You can just read it. <laughs> anyway, overall, walking out of the walking out of the game with a W. Can't be too mad at it. Um, Rob, you got your. You, do you have an ad- advantage player from Saturday? No. This game? Nothing? I didn't know we were doing a podcast today. So, no, I'm not prepared <laughs> for anything. Not only am I not prepared for anything, but, like, we're also on a time limit <laughs> also true. today. So, no, I, I don't. Um, I forgot that you had to go take your vacation yeah. starting tomorrow. So, I vacation. was not prepared for. It's visiting family. Shout out, Nana. <laughs> okay, well, um, sounds like a vacation. Okay, uh, advantage, player, scheme, whatever. Defense. Defense just shut them the fuck down. They couldn't do anything. We dominated the game in all aspects, but I think our defense played lights out Black Swarm football, and so they get it this week. Sound good? That's fair. All right. Doesn't match the theme, but it's it is fair. The defense did well. Okay, so off rip, what would you give it to? Uh it would probably go to that play. And then I'd probably pick one of the like probably pick like let's say Banks for uh, you know, selling Smash Z post, you know, so much that now you can run your other play off of it. Alright. And you have the advantage over the defense. I mean, this is your bit. I'm just trying to help you out since I pick the thing every time still not necessarily clear on the parameters of it but of who or what gets it mm-hmm. but uh all right i'm fine with that defense played lights out but for the bit banks and slaughter on forward seat post so with that we can uh break that down and a little bit more in the film room so get it moving to there huh sure all right, so I think I got us queued up with some uh, page highlights first. So we'll get that rolling, get the defense, a little offense, and, and keep her moving. So, Paige making a nice open field tackle on kickoff. You know, we saw some highlights on last week, dangerous on special teams. Shut them down pretty well. Just a little switch concept outside. They like keeping those uh, twins split extra wide. Like It's not common to see those outside the opposite hash like that. I can't remember if they, how many times they went five wide, once or twice, but it seemed like our check-all game was... They want to spread it out. We're going to bring the heat. See Bob to come out quick, and they really couldn't do much against it.
we'll roll to cover three. One of the few semi-successful run plays I had. Here, going with their unbalanced stuff, pretty much the only thing they could really run against us a couple years back. You can see backed up and you're on your own goal line, not a great spot to be. Try and go heavy, just give yourself a little breathing room here. And ain't nothing going. Rob, any observations? I mean, as we talked about with page highlights in past weeks, I mean, you're not going to get anything flashy. This is kind of the position that he plays. Uh, you're going to get a couple times where he comes up and has the opportunity to break up a pass or, uh, you know, tackle a guy as soon as he catches it. But for the most part, you get a lot of the times he's coming up, making a play uh, against the run. Uh, it, it's never anything flashy with where he's lined up on the field. It's usually a four, five, six-yard run, seven-yard run, and it's really just about securing the tackle, right? You got past the front seven, safety comes up, makes a play. So uh, really what you're getting out of this is just kind of that safety net. It's like, all right, you know, you, you got four, five, six, but you're not getting more than that. So come up, make a play. You know, it's not like we see him whiffing on tackles this year or anything. So, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a, a pretty open field tackle. There's just open field tackles. So when you can be consistent with them, that, that's a really good trait to have somebody in the secondary. So that, that's just really what we're seeing here is any tackle that you see him make is going to be a good tackle. That's that's the name of the game. Come up and uh, you know limit their play. And uh, you know you just so like for and you're looking at these and it's like oh man like they're getting some yards. They're getting four or five yards a pop. But when you're looking at a safety's highlights, that's what it's going to be. But the thing is, when you if these are the biggest plays they have all game, that's how they end up, you know, getting shut out. Besides two plays, so um, that that's the kind of stuff that happens. I mean, for example, they scored on a play where we couldn't make the tackle. So uh, every tackle is a good tackle from the safety position. So that's all we're looking for. Yep, just the constant quarter safety, keeping everything in front of them. Don't get beat behind you. So, moving right along, got uh, our boy Pringle, some highlights from him, flying around the field, making plays all game. Just bringing the heat on a little play action. Nothing going there. God, I get shot out of a cannon. I don't even know if that was a, if that was a blitz or just a run read, but, I mean... Sees the hand, yeah. Slow plays it. Sees the handoff. Mm -hmm. Sees the gap. He gone. He's so quick. Combined with, uh, he's also really good at getting around linemen. Mm -hmm. But you combine that with how good our defensive line is, and you know he's coming free more times than he isn't, which is a uh, yeah. See, this is that's actually one of the plays I was talking about earlier when I said take away two plays. Yep. Um, this was one of them. Just a simple smash this wasn't, call. Yeah, this wasn't the touchdown, but I think if you hold him at the 20 rather than letting him into the 5, I don't know if they score. So, yeah, that, that's the whole point. I know they don't score here, but, you know, make a tackle and, 
you know, maybe you walk away with a stop rather than them scoring shortly after that. So, um, just one of those plays you got to make tackle. Yep. Kids got to make tackles, but you know, this Pringle coming from the middle of the field yeah, as, the as a linebacker. So, you know, the opposite side drop player, and you know, he probably saves a touchdown right there. Yeah. I mean, you could see him, you know, drops it, sees where the ball goes. Expects, expects the corner or the uh, backer to, you know, make the tackle on that one. Mm-hmm. Season whiff, turns on the Jets, save six points. Everybody wants to tackle so high. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to realize that you have way more leverage getting low, right? Like, um... Oh, here's the well, corner and you coming out. We're Actually, I'm going to talk about our jackbacker right there, but yeah. All right, we can go back. Um, the jackbacker kind of just like over, like, listen, just... You, Overruns a little bit. I mean, Overruns I think he's like letting the corner come up and. Yeah, I mean, corner tries to square him up, but uh, you know, based on the timing of it, I mean, yeah, he could, yeah, he could have grabbed a leg. But I've been, wa- I, I just been watching that in the NFL so much this year, and every single time you see a broken tackle, it's because you're just bouncing shoulder pad to shoulder pad. Yeah. Nobody wants to get low anymore, you know, which is weird because it. You know, at least like in the NFL, they're teaching you to stay away from the head neck area, and you think that would be the time where you just come flying in and hit somebody in the side of the leg. But mm-hmm. you know, all of the broken tackles are up high. Just try to get very body rarely. Shot do you, and... yeah, very rarely do you hit somebody below the waist and they bounce off of it. So, especially if you wrap up. At the minimum, you should be wrapping up, right? Yeah. I mean, wrap up like as, but if you if you see what happens here, it's tough when you're that high. Mm-hmm. You try to wrap up, but all you're getting are shoulder pads. He's leaning into you. You're trying to wrap around his shoulders, and there's nothing to grab onto, nothing to hold onto. Like so, it's it's just that's so tough. You got to get underneath their shoulder pads. So we actually did a drill. Uh, I remember it was the first day of contact my senior year. It's a defensive lineman drill, but it should still hold pretty true. Of Two guys line up on the goal line about five yards apart. You got a ball carrier in front of them, uh, in the in between them, five yards back, and you tell the ball carrier pick one to run at. Mm-hmm. And if you're the guy that gets run at, you know, wrap up, secure the tackle. The second guy running in, go try and strip the ball out. Yeah, because you're assuming the first guy making the tackle is going to secure make the, the tackle. tackle yeah. yeah. So that looked like he just kind of, you know, he's giving the tackle to the corner. I think that happens a lot also. Caught the ball. Which, you know, maybe 20 years ago, you don't see that quite as much. You probably see people come flying in late. Which, yeah. you know, they don't want that nowadays, right? You know, and when what, a kid's going down, you don't want to hit him. But, you know, 20 years ago, you'll see a second or third guy come flying in and, you know, hit you while you're already on the way down. Um, and whereas that is more dangerous, I was gonna say, you're going to get, get people hurt that way. What's that called, Coach Palma? It's unnecessary. All right, no, hold on. Jop is completely <laughs> different than like just hitting somebody when they're already on the way down. Like, All right. You hit somebody on the way down, it's like unnecessary. But, you know, that's how you get fumbles. That's how you secure tackles. You know, never trust that the first guy is going to make the tackle. Yeah. So it, it, it's just kind of the way football is now. You know, just the concept is you're not looking to be the third guy into a tackle anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas 20 years ago, you might be trying to, you know, knock somebody out, literally. Like, yeah. oh, he's on the way down. He can't defend himself. I'm going to go knock him out. That's why they're trying to not teach that anymore. But yeah. with that, that's how you have, like, a second or third guy <laughs> maybe just stand there and watch it happen. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, you know, always try to go. Don't assume that anybody's going to make a tackle. You should be the one going out there and, you know, trying to do it. I mean, I, think, I, I don't think he was avoiding the tackle. I think he just kind of overran it a little bit. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's, it's a concept that you don't see quite as much anymore. You'd like to see that first and second guy go in there and then a third and fourth guy come in and try to punch it out. So, um, Also, while we're on the subject, because this is him on the play, just kind of being the second guy overrunning it a little bit, he would have had an interception if he was wearing gloves on Saturday. I didn't remember if you heard me say that or not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, you finally have a legitimate reason to tell him to put gloves on. <laughs> you know, it's not just a fashion statement anymore. Yep. Now it's a ball hits you in the hands <laughs> and you dropped it. I mean, it, to be fair to him, it was a well, it was like a batted ball or something went flying in the air, and he just happened mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah, it like just like land right there. Yeah, it's it, you know tough play, but and it's like he wasn't in a great position to catch it. But man, if he had those, uh, would have liked to see the safety take a better angle on this too. Yeah, but man, if he had those Nike Stick'em Sixes on, it just yeah, it's amazing how uh, beneficial gloves can be. So, but. Great play by Pringle to save a touchdown here. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I can understand why the safety overruns a little bit. He's playing the corner route. Like corner, the number two run of the corners is man. Doesn't see the ball coming in. Yeah, he, but he keeps fading with it outwards. You know, after that ball's already out, I'd like to see him attack the inside shoulder. Well, I mean, let's see. Eyes on the guy, and he then just, there he sees I know, the, he just keeps kind of fading, 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 yeah. fading, fading. I mean, I guess you... Are hoping he doesn't go up the sideline. He's probably, I mean, that's, that's what that's I was thinking. Real, like, he's really fading up the sideline. Yeah, I'm not yeah. too worried about that, I guess. See, I mean, you see your outside backer coming in from the yeah, inside. The corner kinda, squared up with them. You're looking to say, okay, he's probably not going to be able to cut back up. That's but, kind of the flow of the play right there. But, yeah, yeah I'm not too worried about that one. Yeah. So, also, uh, Pringle had, a, had himself a day in the backfield. Run a lot of our uh, heavy personnel, you know, tight end, fullback, split backs, and McKinley just couldn't stop it. A lot of that all game. Just looks like he gets stuffed up the middle. Pringle keeps churning his legs and gets yards where there weren't any. They're putting putting the shoulder down, laying the boom, putting the guy right on his ass. I like how, you know, not only does he put him on his ass, but he leads it the correct way also. Mm Mm-hmm pushes him to the inside so that's one of those i'm kind of making a couple assumptions here you know we're just basically line just blocking power and when you get an extra when you can formationally your personnel however get an extra guy in the as a lead blocker just tell him hey read it like you're the ball carrier go block a guy that would make the tackle of course it hits inside of that but you know when the hole is there take it yep Really good down block that allowed it to happen. Line just collapses, makes a wall. Yeah, left tackle kind of misses his block there, which I think hurt it. But the left guard is a really good down block, and that's right where it hits. Yep. Yeah, but ideally the left tackle would have secured his block. Pulling guard would have went up through the hole a little bit more. Comes in on that, yeah. Right guard gets caught up by the was that three, three tech that miss that rips off. Yeah, 
three tech just rips off the left tackle and yep. right guard gets caught up there. But yeah, you know, first guy to present himself. Eh? And Trell does a great job of seeing that first hole and hitting it. Because that really shouldn't have been there. No. That's not, when you're drawing up power, that's not where the ball's going. Yeah. But that's why Trell's Trell. Why Pringle's Pringle. Let's keep her moving. So now I got some uh, the man himself, some trail highlights. Just really good job. I I mean both of them are tremendous lead blockers in that split mm-hmm. back stuff. Like here you can see him just lowering the boom, decleating a guy. Goes through the block. Yeah, that's what you do, man. You're not you're not hitting him. You are running through him. Mega hole. Like look at that. That's some. That guy's buckled. I just run over your own offense player if he's not moving. Get out of the way, kid. Yeah, you got one job: make a hole for the running back. Yeah. If he's hitting you, it's because you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't. I, he even kind of helped him on that one because he threw him in front of the guy. To, threw him in front of a guy. He needs to get up there more. Yeah. Did he stop because he saw two different guys? Probably. Yeah. But you're probably coached to go in rap, right? Yeah, so, so you're rapping. So rap that one and leave the other guy. Yeah, it looks like that's the backside backer uh, scraping over top, so that should be the playside tackle or guards guy, depending on how the double team works out. But when you see a guy present himself right there in the hole, you know, he I would say, you know, just make it easy. If pick a guy, if you're going to be wrong, be wrong violently. That's, that's what I would. That's what I was thinking. You know, pick one because then at least you're running back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the hesitation that gets you. Yeah, that's a great throw, great catch. I mean, just great over the shoulder catch mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, I mean, running backs don't uh, have a whole lot of experience with this. You know, I know like they practice and stuff, but it's different than like a receiver that's constantly. You know, catching balls nonstop. You know, their warm-ups are just like throwing yeah. like fades back and forth to each other to get kind of warmed up. So they see this kind of stuff way more often than a running back does. So, I mean, it's a great job by Trail to be able to track that in the air, overshoulder the catch. Mm-hmm. So I would put it right in a perfect spot for him. Especially with, I mean, we don't really run verts or seam routes with our running backs either. This is not something they would mm-hmm. be practicing for much besides this play itself. So yeah. can't imagine he's got many reps at it, but... Just fake the fake the zone run one way, boot out the other. You get the receivers, you know, running basically a flood concept essentially, and turn back, find your running back, mm-hmm. make the throw. Trail does his highlights as if he has to pay by the minute. <laughs> his highlights go so quick. Hey. No, like the edit points, just bam, 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 bam. Yeah. No lead up, no like getting to see how the formation is or anything. Just like, yeah, yep. man. Every week, his, his just go. Yeah. So this one, I mean, phenomenal job. So it's a pass protection, half man, half slide, and to hide what side's the slide side, what side's the man side, because if you just give that away, defenses can scheme up blitzes all day and beat it. We'll just flip the running back. He's either he can be on the same side as the man side, or cross the quarterback's face. And 
pick up, you know, look for linebacker scan inside out opposite. And to have to cross the quarterback's face and pick up edge pressure all the way opposite where you were initially lined up, hard job to do. But he does it here very well. Let me see where they... So they bring uh, just outside linebacker pressure, hide it with the, the man lined up over, looks like Banks, down here right on top of the five, 50, whatever, you, you know, you get it. He holds water really well. Trell sees it. Just a good job picking that up. Give him Slaughter a clean pocket to work with. I think he's panned by the frame on this one. Mm -hmm. Same thing on that one. Just having to work all the way across quarterback's face, pick up the edge pressure. Bang. Let's go. I know it doesn't. He doesn't show it on his highlights. Um, that little uh, display right here. I feel like this is one that we wanted back. I think. Yeah. So this is the one. I remember talking about this with you. We're just yeah. working our slant concept, which. Uh, you know, most people think of this slant concept as a slant from the outside and a flat route from the inside. But we always run it with number the inside guy running the fade route and the slant coming underneath it. And, you know, it looks like uh, Slaughter just sees a lot of space that Banks has to work with, tries to throw him a jump ball, but what's your take on it? I feel like, at least when I watch it live... Because, I mean, we I haven't seen any replays, and you can't see it on this either. Yeah. So I'm very much just going off of memory. But I remember talking about it right after it happened, right? So I think Slaughter throws a ball that Banks could catch in stride. No issue. Mm -hmm. Banks slows up, thinking that it's going to be a jump ball, you know. And he's got getting ready to go high point it. But in reality, it was a perfect over-the-shoulder pass. Yeah. So just kind of like a little miscommunication of, a, oh, am I about to get a jump ball right here? Or is it just going to be in stride? I think Slaughter throws it in stride, and Banks slows up for a jump ball. But it was there. I think this ball lands right in the back of the end zone. And, you know, I think Banks ends up kind of facing us. Mm -hmm. and then I mean, like, you could see him, like, right there, start to peek back for it inside. Well, peeking back is fine. The thing is, I think he ends up turning his body even more, yeah. getting ready for the jump ball, and it completely kills his momentum of running towards the back line. But I remember watching it live, and when he peaked is when he throttled down. So, like you said, it was yeah, good ball in stride, and but, hey, miscommunication happens. Yeah, I thought the slant was a little more open watching it live, but it's hard watching everything at once. Mm -hmm. Damn it! Yeah, it looks like the slant would have could have also been there. Um, but that was, I think that's one you know slaughter based on scouting and yeah. feel of the game and everything. That's slaughter walks up the line. He's like, "Hey, I'm throwing the fade to Banks." And I, I think it was there. Just I, I don't know if like you know all week, all season, it's kind of been their thing where it's going to be you know from this distance, it's probably more of a jump ball situation. Yeah. Or if Banks was just getting a little antsy and he's like, hey, I'm you know I'm six four, I do jump balls, 
but in reality, you just had an over-the-shoulder catch. Mm-hmm. Or I just don't, I saw it wrong live, and everything I'm saying right now sounds stupid. I mean, it, that very well could be. I don't have the highlight here to show you, but that was my impression live, was that that was a catchable ball if you keep going in stride. Yeah. And if so, my take would be every ball should be in stride until it's not. Because mm-hmm. you can always kind of slow down. You can always you know get a jump ball. But if you just slow down too early, yeah, there, there's no catching back up. So if you're right. thinking in stride, you can slow down for jump ball. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking jump ball, it's hard to throttle back up to catch in stride. Turn back around, keep going. Yeah, yeah. no, it, you're never going to be back in stride if you stop. Mm. But yeah, you can slow down, take a gather step, go up. You know, that's how you get a lot of interference calls too. Yeah. Underthrown balls get you a lot of pass interference calls because the defender keeps running into you. But yeah. I, you know, unless it's been some kind of communication thing where they are looking for a jump ball, I would say, you know, every ball is in stride until it's not. But I, I'd, I'd like to see that clip. Yeah, I, like the full I, clip. I, I, fair, I don't assume it's on anybody's highlights. No. But, yeah, I would like to see that full clip just to see if I'm remembering it correctly or not. But, and slant i looking at this now just a freeze frame i don't think it's as open as i thought it was live well you'd have to wait two more steps yeah to see how yep. close that corner is i'm it kind of looked like the way he was playing it is the slant's probably gonna open up mm-hmm. and that high safety doesn't creep down whatsoever which was the next thing i was worried about but you got that low backer there yeah. He's got his hips flipped to get out into that space that's currently open. Eyes on the quarterback, so that little extra pause that Slaughter would have to take to time to slant upright. Yeah, he's going to be able to read that all the way and crash on it. So, mm-hmm. at jump ball, <clears throat> like I said, live. I thought slant all the way, but watching this now, looking at this freeze frame, it's the fade to banks all the way. To go with what you're saying, though, is if you want to be a really good team. Mm-hmm. hitting some of those tight window slants from the 10-yard line, 15-yard line is something you have to do. So there might not be much window, but assuming that this receiver does get past the corner, mm-hmm. that is a window that you need to be able to hit um, against good defenses. So yeah, um, Because you're not always just going to have this jump ball fade um, where you can get past the safety in this situation. You know, the amount of times you see in the NFL, they run these short yardage slants, and it's always a tight window, you know, probably low and inside. It's kind of a falling, sliding catch. Mm-hmm. But those, those are the kind of plays you need to make, you know, those 10-yard completions. Um, yep. If nothing else, you're setting yourself up. But, uh, you know, I think that would be there if you ran it. And, I mean, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. You know, you got the linebacker there, you got a high safety, but... I think those are some completions where, you know, you, you hit them right in that window, kind of like where the ball is going now mm-hmm. already, you know, the, a beeline between Slaughter and Banks. I think you have a window right in there. And then, you know, this is high school football. You catch that and you fall forward for an extra two yards, it's a touchdown. Yeah. Right? And then you you're got... not getting stood up and pushed back too much in high school. So it might get your legs taken out. Yeah. But, you know, you're probably not going to get stood up a lot. Um, and that, you know, that is something where you're in a big time game against a big time defense. You hit that seven yard slant and, you know, in the stat book, it was a seven yard completion, but you know, now it's what first and first and goal from the two mm-hmm. or, you know, let's say second and goal from the, t- you know, touchdown. It's a good play and especially with how they're lined up here. So, yeah, 
then you got, I mean, especially on the quarterback too. I mean, you think you know you when you're teaching somebody to throw a football to a guy on the move, it's hit him in stride, hit him in stride. But slants or any kind of crossers over the middle where there might be a linebacker or somebody, that quarterback has to know, hey, is there a linebacker there? Then it's kind of on him to save his receiver. Because, you know, if that linebacker yeah. plays it really well and he hits him in stride, that linebacker's there ready to take his head off. So maybe yeah, throw it a... behind him, throw it, like make the receiver throttle down with your throw to save him from just getting absolutely rocked. It's, it's a chemistry thing as well. I mean, if you're deal like as you have more experienced players, um, you know, you, like you see this in the NFL. If that corner, f- I mean, if the receiver feels that he beat the corner pretty easily, mm-hmm. he can just kind of throttle down immediately, knowing that all the danger's inside. You know, I beat I beat the corner. I have some separation, and as the quarterback, you know, you're reading that, but you also understand where the defenders are. So yeah, it, it's giving him. A, you're making yourself a quarterback-friendly target, and then you're giving the receiver a receiver-friendly ball. Yeah. All right, we're going to give you a safe pass that allows you to make a good completion, and if you get tackled right away, we'll take the five yards. I don't need to lead you into the end zone right here. So it's the combination of kind of sitting down in a zone. You know, it's that feel for the game. You have some receivers that are just really savvy. They can sit down in zones really well. Mm-hmm. Um, same idea here, even if that corner's manned on, once you beat him sitting down in the open space, throttling it down, you don't want to run full speed, and then that just makes the timing harder. It's harder to adjust to things when you're at full speed, so you're making it harder on the quarterback, yeah. and then yeah, everything's just harder about it. So every situation is different, but just that the savviness of finding the open space, and once you beat your immediate threat... You can kind of throttle down a little bit, especially in this situation. Because if you just run full speed, you know, you can go t- get your own head taken off, mm-hmm. run yourself into coverage. Whereas if you would have slowed down, you're open, kind of thing. So, just having a feel for the defense. Not saying, you know, we can't see what happens here, but that's the kind of stuff that, as you brought up, um, just the quarterback and receiver need to be on the same page. So you can take what should be an easy completion rather than getting somebody's head taken off or, you know, running it into a pick six situation or something. So, yep. so that, I think we got one more trail highlight, just a little, that looked like, so this last one here, it looks like a little RPO action, you know, just power inside. Trail sees pressure coming in right away. And good job protecting his quarterback. That cross and face and knowing you're actually in pass pro and picking up edge pressure off the opposite mm-hmm. side is hard enough. But just running, you know, going into it, oh, run play, and then not getting the ball and seeing that guy flying in to get the quarterback. A hell of a play by him to finish off the highlight. Yeah. He's very Nick Chubb-esque. So. Even when he's not doing something super flashy, mm-hmm. it's the extra three or four yards that you didn't notice when you watched it live. Yeah. All you know is that he got six yards. But, you know, five of that was after contact. Or that, you know, being able to pick up, you know, kind of abandoning the run fake a little bit to go pick up the blitz. Mm-hmm. Remember like two weeks ago, Nick Chubb did that. It, Brissett went to turn around for a... <laughs> play fake and Chubb was just gone yeah I mean like 
it was, it was kind of a slower actioned one but there's just immediate pressure off the edge go get the block mm-hmm. that's the number one priority no point is selling the play fake if the quarterback's going to get hit on it so which uh that's something i, I was listening to uh, who's the wide receiver coach that got to sell under ohio state it's his own podcast now oh god uh the more you started talking about him the more i forgot his name zach smith yeah that's it so he was doing a podcast a little while back on like Ohio State's offense and mm-hmm. all this, that, and the other, but he was specifically talking about their play-action pass protection. And the running back coaching point was if you see pressure coming immediately, like if you see your guy coming, just FTF. Fuck the fake. Yeah. And in pass, like in play-action pass protection, that's easy to do as a running back. Mm-hmm. In an RPO, where as a running back, you're thinking, oh, I'm getting the handoff and I'm running power. And then quarterback decides he's going to pull yeah. and throw there's no communication between trell and slaughter other than slaughter not handing him the ball yeah so that's some, that's something like it's that much more he has to process that quickly to be able to pick up that guy coming off the edge that he knows is otherwise going to rock slaughter's world yeah it's how do i avoid this free blitzer mm-hmm. when the, i get the ball to oh now i have to pick up this free blitzer yeah in real time, so. So that's the uh, like you said, Nick Chubb-esque. That's the little shit that Trail does that just makes him a special. He's a really player. good blocker. Mm-hmm. Every single week, he has highlights of him blocking, and you know it's not the most exciting thing in the world watching running back block, but he secures the blocks. He does a really good job of picking up uh, the free guy. So, uh, you know, it's one of those little things that goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can say it's not exciting. I love it. Is a is an old line guy. I think I look at the running back as an extension of the offensive line, mm-hmm. and stuff like that that gets me jacked up. So with that, uh, we got a little bit of uh, Chase Bond highlights. I know towards the end of the game, him playing tight end a lot, he was just taking dude souls. So here we get to see a little bit of that. Just backside of power. Really, your only job is gap hinge and don't let the guy in. You don't have to dig the. You don't have to really dig them out or anything. But here you see a lot of the stuff on here. Him just putting dudes into the dirt. You know the first couple, like that throwing a guy to the ground. Um, that's something as a when you're on the line, you can't lose your hips. You have to keep your hips underneath you. And it's because as soon as you lose them, as soon as, like, if I'm a defensive guy rushing, I get my hips behind me because I'm trying to generate more power. Then whoever's blocking me can just get his hands inside, toss me to the ground because I can't control where I go anymore. Just like that. Dude lost his hips. Yeah. I love the tenacity that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every single one of this has ended up with a kid on the ground. Um, and, the, you know, it's the McKinley game. It's the end of the McKinley game. So I, I don't have any issue with it. But I think he does a really good job of starting the play. Right? He gets his initial steps in, like, engages. And then from there, it's just like, how can I get this kid on the ground? Mm-hmm. Especially on that touchdown run. I think if he would have just held his block. Let me see. 
Let's see here. Yeah, like he takes him into the play. Yeah, not something you necessarily want to see. But but like you know, this is like this one would have been earlier. But the rest of those were probably like end of the game, mm-hmm. last drive situation, right? Yeah. I think like he shows that he's like ah you know I got my steps I I can do my base block all right now how do I get this kid on the ground like <laughs> and every single one of them he puts the kid on the ground but it, it, I think it's fine for the situation mm-hmm. hey, and I think that is the reasoning for it you know it's, it is because it's McKinley it's the last drive and now yeah. I just want to toss you around so uh, but I like the fact that like he doesn't just come off the line out of control. Mm-hmm. It's very controlled. I'm doing my steps correctly. I'm engaging my blocks, and then it's all right. Let's let's put your let's put you in the ground. So exactly. I, I like that aspect of it. So I think all we got left for our McKinley highlights is the uh, couple looks at the four vertice post. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple different angles of it. I'll let you speak on how he gets himself open. Yeah, sure. So just from a more X's and O's perspective. They're a quarters team, so that's safety because we run Z post so much. He he'll see the outside guy get up behind the number two, so he's expecting okay, number two is going to run the corner route. I'll pass that off to, to the cornerback, and then I'm going to jump the post route. So what do we do? Number two doesn't run the corner. Number two just runs a go. Mm-hmm. Oops. So hard to see it from this angle, but it'll be. Banks coming up here on the near hash. Yeah, left side of the screen. No, I didn't notice that part until just now. What's that? The little head fake? Yeah, how he leans into the safety here. Mm -hmm. So... The play that we've talked about many times is kind of the same concept, except for instead of Banks coming down here to catch a touchdown, he ends up running that flag route at the corner, and usually of the corner and the safety both follow the flag route, and this guy coming over the middle of the field is open, which, if you look now, that's what it looks like. Yeah. But it's because the safety starts to jump it right here. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so this is this is our smash the post. Banks is going to go to the sideline. Corner's going to pick him up. Safety's going to pick up the post. Perfect. Except for Banks doesn't run the flag. He keeps going vertical. Corner's not there. Safety's not there. You go right past him. So, um, corner actually does a decent job. He's not just sitting back waiting for a flag. Mm-hmm. But he's squeezing a little bit, but I think that's a it's a tough, you know. Essentially, you're trying to pick up a slot receiver fade from a corner position. Like you're you're just not in the right spot for that. Yeah. So you're playing from behind and a good throw. Um, you know that's a touchdown. He he sets the safety up, which if you were running smash the post, I think I would imagine that he would not lean into the safety at all. Because you don't want that safety fading inside. You want him crashing outside. So, you, I imagine if you saw Smash the Post from the same angle, you're probably pressing that safety vertical because you need him to respect you. But then you're trying to get him to go with you on the flag. 
right here, you're forcing him to the inside. So even if he doesn't jump that uh, post, you're still setting yourself up. You're kind of running this the same way you would just a one-on-one fade. Yeah. You're pressing him inside and then getting leverage on him to the outside. But it helps. You know, it's kind of a double benefit on this play because he's looking for that post and you're forcing him up inside. So now it's like he's really getting himself out of position. He's like, oh, I got to go to the middle of the field for the post, but also I'm getting pushed to the middle of the field by Banks. So uh, ends up creating more space for himself by doing that. And I mean, we've talked about smash the post a lot on here. I mean, that corner is going to be hesitant to go inwards. He does a little bit, but the corner needs to stay outside because he wants to respect his part of the zone. We talked about that's why smash the post works because he can't crash inside too hard to follow that post and the safety's kind of oblivious to it and i mean except for when they're not but uh so that corner is outside so now you're trying to catch up with that scene he can't squeeze that right away he just can't do it mm-hmm. i mean you can but that's like just anti-instinct yeah. for a corner you want to keep your outside leverage so banks is able to keep the keep this skinny enough that it goes between the corner and the safety up the seam and both of them are playing from behind there. They're just splitting the corner and the safety. Good ball over the shoulder. It's a great play, especially against the teams that are going to start recognizing smash the post. So uh, it hit, great play, and it's just like one more wrinkle onto what's already a great play for us. Mm -hmm. Also, just great shot there of the crowd, the home stands, Mm -hmm. absolutely filled, away side filled, both end zones are pretty packed. Great turnout. So here's one more angle of it. Get a little bit closer up action. Yeah, I mean, you see the safety's eyes. It's like his eyes go to the quarterback right away. He sees that post coming. Boom. Ah, I'm inside. Ah, darn. You know. But he completely flips his eyes Mm -hmm. and his hips looking for that post. I mean, I think he's looking for it right now. Bam. You know, he's looking to intercept that ball around the 10-yard line. He's like, oh, we did 15, our film yeah, study. 20 yard yeah. yeah, I mean, you can pause it right here. He sees that coming, and now he's looking to jump the post. Mm-hmm. He already recognized it. Eyes on the quarterback, looking for the ball. And it's actually a, kind of impressive that he's able to baseball turn out of this. Uh, I guess he doesn't baseball turn, but he's able to flip his hips and still kind of be in the play after yeah. having his body shifted that way. So, I mean, that's kind of impressive on his part, but he's looking to jump that right there. Yep. He's like, oh, I'm jumping the post. I know what they're running. Banks is, or Slaughter's going to throw it right here. I'm catching it on the 21, 22-yard line. Interception, baby. And he sees that ball come out of Slaughter's <laughs> hands and just, ah, oh, darn. <laughs> it's like, you know what it is until it's not. Yeah. Also, shout out our pass protection on that one. Kept Slaughter upright, gave him room to stand and throw. You can see they bring a little uh, blitz inside backer off the edge there. Tutty. So. I'd like to see a. Uh, have that post go like more dig ish mm-hmm. 
and then I kind of keep this vert or a post like a little mills out of this switch mills I'm just trying to think of like what the hardest possible combination like would be for this and I think it would be that corner having to cover a slot like post yeah I mean, have, ba have banks spread his alignment out further mm -hmm. so he can run more of a traditional post and then run a dig underneath of it I think at that point you're almost turning into a uh, dagger concept another great cover four beater where safety is going to take the inside guy on the post you know vert whatever and like you said it's hard enough to cover that any inside breaker mm -hmm. as a corner from that alignment and dig should be running free all day on that one So, with that, we will turn the page. Got, uh, you know, it's three seasons of Madison football, weeks one through nine, week ten. Now we move on to the playoffs. First playoff opponent we got this week is Maslin Perry, a familiar playoff opponent. Not that they've done much against us. It's always good to kick their ass, especially kick their ass out the season. So let's take a little bit of a look at them, see what they got to offer. I only saw one like small clip of Perry all year, and mm -hmm. it was against McKinley when we watched last week. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Do they not look good? It's not great. So they don't even put much on Huddle. Their only game recap is from Central Catholic on their Huddle page, and it's all Central Highlights. So that's what we're about to watch right now. No, okay. See, they just run their basic ass 4-4 four, four, cover 3 oh, straight out of 1965 three. that they've been running for forever. They look like middle schoolers. Same thing I saw during the McKinley highlights. Just can't tackle somebody if you paid them. <laughs> Oh, man, safety jumping. They gave you time to catch back up to him. Just all the time in the world back there for the quarterback. Man. Nothing going downfield, so nice little 10, 12-yard scramble. It's hard to trust these numbers. God. So central receivers trying to navigate traffic. Look. Look like this number two and three never played receiver before. It looks like Perry's using linebackers out of 1970 also. 1970. That's newfangled football for them. Don't ask them to drop into coverage. Or go sideline to sideline. Or tackle. Ugh. These are Perry highlights, huh? Supposedly. Defense looks like it's out there. Yeah. Central didn't any yard. Next up, some green highlights. So this is off. Of, so this is from Green's huddle. So it's okay. going to be all highlights for them.
Somebody ran past a Perry corner for a touchdown. The hell you wow, say? Wow, I've never seen that happen. They're like set up in the easiest coverage in the world to not get beat deep. And that's just what happens to them that, all of the time. That's your one job as a cover three corner. Don't get beat deep, right? It's the easiest thing in the world. I thrived in it. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't get beat deep. Should they just run like a smash concept into... Yep. You have one job. Cover three corner. Not to jump the hitch on a smash route. You should just be bailing at the snap. Like, if you want to make your life easy, bail at the snap. You're never going to get in trouble for bailing as a cover three safety. I mean, you got to come up and slow the guy down a little bit. But, like, jumping a hitch as a cover three safety, that is when your coach is going to be livid at you. Because that's how touchdowns happen. Instead of a 10-yard play, touchdowns. Listen, he should just be like... I mean, the corner up top does his job. They're squeezing. I don't know. Maybe they've been getting nickeled and dimed. So that's why. Usually you don't see cover three corners six yards off the ball. Usually you're further off than that. Mm -hmm. So that's probably also another reason why they get beat deep so often. But I mean, it could be their adjustment to... If they I mean, maybe make those at all. Yeah, to, maybe they're getting nickel and dime so much they have to. You keep seeing five hitches and you start jumping it and then yeah. bam, smash over your head. But if you want to make yourself, you want to make your life easy, get beat in front of you. Don't get beat deep. Yeah. I, you know, five wide, it's hard to play as a high school team because you see it so little. Well, it's hard to play if that's what the team runs exclusively because that means they're probably at least half decent at it. They okay. know how to operate out of it. It might be difficult to stop a five-wide team from nickel and diming you down the field. Mm-hmm. It should be easy to not get beat deep. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, I, maybe they threw seven straight hitches, and now you had to jump it. I don't know. Maybe the coach said, hey, you know, go do some soul searching and man <laughs> up from, you know, play your position for five yards deep. But you, you got to be able to play both aspects of a smash as a cover three it's like the opposite thing of what cover um you know cover <laughs> two corners like oh we want you to play both you know yeah. a great cover two corner can do both no cover three corner in the world should be asked to do both against <laughs> a smash route but you know just stay over top of it the safety i mean the linebackers are actually doing a decent job yeah the inside guy, inside guy passed that yeah. off well like he, he got hands on Gets underneath onto the hitch route, and Corner yeah. was also thinking hitch. So, like, sometimes simpler. <laughs> if you're going to run a seventh grade defense, like sometimes you need to treat it like a seventh grader would. Yeah, just drop back, play everything in front of you. Is that four four verts? It looked like a, kind of a drive concept with a, a seam top. route from this guy. Uh, you had you had two verts up the middle, though, so you're holding that high safety. And then there's your linebacker just not being able to run with it. Yep. Uh, he just passes it off. He doesn't even try to run with it. You're, and that's the issue with just running this basic cover three all day. Is you have that high safety, but with two verts, he's trying to play both of them. And... Realistically, playing neither one. Actually, he's, he, 
I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't play either. He just stays right in the middle of the field. Yeah. But, you know, that that linebacker didn't even think about running with that seam. He just passes it off. Mm-hmm. You're making your safety, his life, a living hell. <laughs> just putting him in a blunder. Yeah, he can't play either of them when you do that. That's the issue with just running one coverage in general, but yeah. if you're going to run one coverage, you have to have linebackers that can drop really well. Because your mismatch, you can always find a mismatch against any coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find mismatches against four, um, but that's where you have the linebacker that can jump in and run with somebody. Cover three, you know, it's fine. We'll just split the safety. You know, we'll make that high safety, like pick a side. You need to have a linebacker that runs with it or something, you know, so... It's going to be really tough. Yeah. You're not putting your kids in a great position by doing that in general. So, uh, I mean, I don't like it. No. I mean, I, I loved doing it as a player. Yeah. I loved cover three because it was the easiest thing in the world. It's like, basically, as long as I don't get beat deep, I did my job. Just mm-hmm. stay back, stay back, stay back. That's all you have to do. You know, you're not asked to tackle. You're not asked to, like, really cover anything that important. You know, every now and then you have a backside post you have to run with. Like that was the extreme situation for me as a cover <laughs> three backside corner post. backside post. Oh, it's it's a toughie. <laughs> you know, I have to actually move. To, I have to move sideways. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else was just you know backpedaling, backpedaling, and then squeezing a guy to the sideline. I had like eight interceptions freshman year by doing that. <laughs> Freshman teams just like love to throw the deep ball, and it's like I'm lined up 12 yards off the line of scrimmage and bailing at the snap. Why are you doing this? Listen, <laughs> like, listen they see this little, they see this little five four, 120 pounds soaking wet white boy out there at corner. Yeah, I'm gonna take a couple of deep shots too. All right, <laughs> they didn't work. They never work. It was so simple. It's like you're you're allowing me to not be athletic or huge. Yeah. Listen, cover three works. Country cover three, just regular ass drop spot cover three that you like. Mm-hmm. You said seventh grade defense. It works if your athletes are just far and away better than the opposing team. Yeah. Like that's why Ohio State could get away with it for a few years, and you see him get exposed in against Bama as the extreme example. And it's because you kept getting a couple the, other teams. You kept getting the best receiver in the country lined up against a linebacker one on one. Yeah, because that's how the cover three works in yeah. that formation. You have to have a linebacker that can cover. Right in this situation, we're not lining Devonte Smith up against a linebacker one on one. Yeah, we're just running routes that your linebackers can't cover because they're high school linebackers. They're not used to it. Mm-hmm. You can see that these guys aren't like super not, like used to dropping into their coverages. Yeah, they're not comfortable doing it. They're very just kind of drop spot, get hands on type mm-hmm. of guys. So drop spot gets you're get hands making on. you're I... making life just miserable for your safety when you do that. It's tough. You're putting them in a tough spot. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know what it tells me more about because it's easy to teach mm-hmm. because it's drop your spot, get eyes on the quarterback, break on the ball. So, is a defensive coordinator, defensive staff, whatever, is that all you can teach? Is that all your guys can execute? You can't come up with something better for your kids to execute because you know you're going to be at least, at best you're probably on roughly equal footing athletically week to week. At worst, you're 
your guys are going to be in a blender. Just living hell. I, I mean, I'd probably be fine with this for, you know, your average small-time schools. Mm-hmm. If you had somebody that could just beat home that Sam linebacker responsibilities. Because you're running this cover three, which I assume has rolled down safety rather than a linebacker. Yeah. So that safety should be, like, competent at, you know, kind of curl flat uh, coverage a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Um, running with a seam route. I just need the backside linebacker to do it also. Yeah. If you have a backside linebacker that can kind of act like the safety over there and he can take away that hook, he can run with a seam route. More importantly, I need him to run with a seam route. Like, the corner can, you know, do a curl. Yeah. But... I need that backside seam taken care of. I can't have I can't have two verts against my high safety. Or if you do, I guess that high safety just needs to know which yeah. side to cheat to. So hopefully your strong safety is good enough to run with the seam really well. But you're, I mean, you're still putting them in a hard position. It's weird. Like cover three, it's been like the book's been out on how to beat it for years. Run four verts. You got the like you said the two inside seams. Yeah. You got two on one on the free safety and. Back in the early 90s, Saban and Belichick in Cleveland came up with how to beat it. It's You tell your curl-flat defender, hey, if you, the guy in front of you runs vertical, run with him until he doesn't. Yeah. And you almost never see that. Like The teams we've played have been predominantly cover three over the years here at Maslin, and you almost never see that you know, Rip Liz pattern match cover three. It's always they're just getting hands on and then dropping to their spot and just putting that free safety, putting him in hell, basically. Yeah. I mean, wait till you go three by one and run four verts and, like, <laughs> that safety just hates his life. I mean, when we came out schlanging it against, against uh, Ed's in 2020, you know, before Trone's shoulder just went to shit, that's what we were doing. And they couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. It took our quarterback not to be able to throw the ball anymore until they got any success against it. So, I I don't know. I I think the game plan is going to look pretty similar for us as it has the last few years. Have our much better athletes run really fast downfield and catch a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't know what to expect. Well, I know what to expect. I don't know what to say. Uh. <laughs> We don't have to go deep over them. No. It's not like that's, that hasn't been as big of our game as it was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think at any point in time we can. <laughs> yeah. So I would expect some shots. Um, you'd see four verts. Uh, I think another kind of tricky part about their coverage is if you start switching receivers. Um, like the smash the post, um, switch verts, switch. Yeah, it's like anything where you're getting them to kind of switch. These guys just don't like that. Nope. They like keeping their spacing. Cover three corners like to drop into their zone, and that's their zone. They don't want to really leave it too much. So once you start getting guys switching, and you know you don't want to have to trail, like that uh, four vert smash, Z smash, Z posts. Vert Z post. There you go. Um, would just be hell for this team because mm-hmm. there's a zero percent chance of that corner is following either of those. Yeah, he's dropping ten yards deep in his zone, and that's his spot. 
You got two guys going up the middle. That's not my problem. I have outside thirds. You have inside thirds. Well, there's two of them. Not my problem. And that's the issue with the coverage right there. In fact, Vert Z post will end up with a three-on-one with that deep safety. You got both seams and then the post coming in front of him, too. Mm -hmm. So that's just putting his life. I mean, I said four verts puts him in hell. That's just taking him to the Thunderdome right there. Yeah. I mean, backside, instead of running the inside uh, fade. Mm -hmm. Well, you can run an inside fade. That's kind of what I'm. I I would do like a um, curl fade. So, like, hitch, I know we yeah. just watched a cornered bite on a hitch route, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't expect that to happen all the time. No. But he might, he'll, he'll jump a curl, run, like, a little 10-yard curl. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, like, the full 12, 13-yard curl because you want the spacing, but run, like, a 10-yard curl, see if he bites on it, and then you have the slot fade over top of it. All right. I like that. I'm just saying, he gets some of these more basic cover threes like that. Yeah. That corner sees curl. Oh, man. That's curl. Or you just hit the curl, I guess. Yeah. But, like, high, low, uh, cover three corner. They're not used to that. They're not used to looking at inside guys unless it's smash. Mm-hmm. So, with that, this is the only other game we got. Got a little bit of highlights of... I don't know why. They just... Okay. I'm not going to assume why, but there's not many guys with a lot of highlights for Perry on film. But I did find one guy. He's a corner and a wide receiver. Okay. So, watch a little bit of them. Just get a couple plays of their offense before we get out of film room here. So, that. You can see they do run a little bit of a, I would call that just a bastardized quarters coverage. I mean, you get the split safety look. The safeties are playing, you know, yeah, eight, ten yards off the ball. But yeah, that technique's going to be very similar to how he runs his cover three, though. He's yeah. got his hips turned. He's squeezing towards the sideline, and you don't get past me. Yep. So it's not that they run this. Uh, just the point of they don't run cover three every snap. They can mix it up a little bit, but it is their home plate. Jumps the hitch. I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, there's another four look. Okay. I mean, I guess it's nice to know that they do mix it up then. Two by one. Jumping the hitch route. Yeah, that's where your smash comes in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a little bit of their... Uh, oh, fancy. Mm-hmm. Like a little bang eight. Oh, scissors. I thought it was going to be, you know, just assuming, you know, knowing them, I thought there was a little fish route. And I'm like, oh, he's running like a bang eight with the out. And then it's an out and up, which is even, wow, look at these guys. Yeah. But still, I know they're in the shotgun here, but, you know, you put him under center and that running back back in the fullback spot. And that's your basic wing T for me, like wing T with a slot right there. Same thing, just a quick little rollout, half rollout smash. This kid looks like a decent athlete. Yeah, there has to be one. This play though, I I really like it. You get the uh, you get the you know wing motion from the under center. Start just take the snap, get it out there. Turns into a tunnel screen. Yeah, it's nice because that corner was 
Mandon. Also, so he's going into that blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a little crack block action. Yeah. This kid looks like a decent player. Right here, just basic buck sweep. Same thing that Wing T's been running since it, you know, they invented it. So, there has to be at least one decent player for Perry, right? Yeah. I'm glad to see that they do go too high. Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. I didn't see enough of a sample size to see, like, if it's formation-based or not. I mean, I assume it is, but I wanted to get an idea of which formation they are going to. Uh, I mean, like, I know in general, when I played, you know, things could tweak week to week. But, mm -hmm. you know, we are too high against 2 by 2 Three or one high against three by one. That was essentially yeah. what we ran, and that's how we ran it. So, I mean, right here you got three by one, which is we would not be running too high against this no, back so, in back in yeah. when I played. But this, it's three by one into the boundary. So, really, what you're trying to do is see how the defense plays it. If you give, if they give you that one on one to the field with your presumably best guy. So I think the idea why you would go too high against this look is you want to get that safety help over top. So you got kind of a one and a half, two on one over there, best receiver. We would have rolled into the boundary. So you still would have had your Sam up top, I think, in the field. Yeah. But, yeah, I think if I remember right, when we first played him back in 2019... It was predominantly when we went two by two four wide, they would go to their quarters look and everything else. They tried to play it out of the cover three stuff. We played them before that. I think that's when we. I think we stopped playing that in nineteen. Eighteen. No, nineteen is. Are you talking about playoffs? Playoffs. Oh, okay. Playoffs. Nineteen is when we first started playing them again in the playoffs. Got it. Yeah, I think it had been a few years since we played them regular season. It was like. Opened with them Moore's first year in 15, 15 yeah. and then played them. A very young and inexperienced team with rotational linebackers beat Perry that went to the state championship. Yeah. And I think we played them two or three times after that, and they could never beat us, and Wakefield's like, nope, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. So that's all we got for Film Room. We can get at least a quick and dirty little preview of them on the other side, finish up with a couple things, and uh, get on out of here, huh? Sounds good to me. All right. All right. So we are recording this on Monday night, so we didn't get a chance to get the roster from the Booster Club meeting, so we can't really give the full rundown of, you know, Perry's roster, do the full preview like we normally do, but have their schedule. We can get a quick and dirty rundown on that. Um, opened with a 6-4 and four Central, ended up beating them 51-28. After that, play lost to a, Three and four Canada team, twenty-one to six. Went to a one and nine Euclid, beat them pretty handily. Beat McKinley, thirty-eight twenty-eight. After that, took an L to a five hundred Jackson team in overtime, thirty-one thirty-two. Um, beat a three and seven Louisville, pretty good. Hoover lost to a seven and three Hoover, fourteen twenty-four. Um, 
lost to a 4-6 green, 35-38. Got, you know, beat pretty well by Lake, 35-7. And took an L to Glen Oak to end their season, 21-28. So, you know, beyond that, um, this is pretty much the same Perry team we played the last few years in the playoffs. Haven't seen anything really different. They, we end up retiring, you know, Wakefield a couple years back, just for him to go down to Dover and for Perry to keep running the same shit. So, I don't know. You have any other thoughts on this team? Uh, I think they had an injury or two earlier in the year, mm-hmm. so I think that kind of uh, slowed them down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, they don't they don't seem to be a very good team. Uh, so I, I don't expect it to be much of a matchup in general. The federal league is pretty down this year mm-hmm. and Perry struggled in the fed. I, mean, I know they beat McKinley early in the year, but that's not the same McKinley team. Also, I think Perry was healthy when they played McKinley. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to be a, a huge match for us. Uh, it will be interesting to kind of see, you know, the wing tee, and it's always a little bit different, but, you know, that this <clears throat> one thing that they have going for them is that they run something a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, that could catch some teams off guard, but, you know, it's going right into the teeth of the strongest part of our team. Yep. So, I mean, I think our front seven handles it just fine, and, uh, you know, who knows? You know, maybe a couple long drives and it, you know, the score isn't crazy early, but I, I don't think that the game is going to be close at all. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, you know, coach, I know you said like, it's the same Perry team that we've seen, but it's not that <laughs> this team is worse. Yeah. This is that's... a 16 seed Perry. This isn't meeting for the regional championship Perry. That's true. I guess I was giving them a little more credit. They might be running like some of the same stuff, but yeah. Which, I mean, Coach McConnell, Coach Lane, all the rest of the defensive staff, you know, we've shown in the past we've shut this shit down before. I think 2020 they had a little bit of success with it, but we ended up stuffing them through the second half of the game, shutting them down, throwing some bombs, and running away with that one. Uh, The year before that, they couldn't get anything going on. Um, on offense, mm-hmm. our offensive staff, we've, you know, this is not the first time we've played them. This is not the first time we've played some country bumpkin cover three. I We're going to come into this with a pretty good game plan. It's not going to be a game. I'm thinking if we come out, all cylinders firing, like we've been calling for for a while now, if our offense does what we know they can do. Yeah, I was going to say, this would be a good game to get the offense just fully just gelled, synced, go out there, um, you know, run a, your offense just to, you know, practice it kind of thing. You know, go out there and spread the ball around. You know, get slaughter in a rhythm, try a bunch of different things out. I think it would be a good game for it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so with that, that's really all we got for the Perry preview. If you want to see more film on them, you can go back onto WHS's Telepro YouTube channel, watch the other two games uh, from a couple years back against them. It's going to be the same stuff, just better players then and now, like to Rob's point. So with that, uh, we don't have any spreads, but I know we had this conversation the other day. 
I don't really remember it too well. So when I go over, you know, how teams did against the spread. Yeah, let me get it pulled up here. All right, so this is just against the spread. Um, Maslin was five and four this year against the spread. Kind of not really surprising when you think about it, how inconsistent we've been on offense, mm-hmm. but defense has been stout all year, so kind of really helped buy you that. Yeah, four and three is the favorite. One and one is the underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKinley was seven and three against the spread this year. That is. Very surprising. Yes, I mean that you know you can lose a bunch of games and still cover. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I think what it was is you know they lost those few games and everybody counted them out, and then you win one but nobody trusts it. Yeah. So then you win two and it's like all right, well bad competition. You win the third one, it's like all right, hold on, they might be getting better. Mm-hmm. So I think their spreads <clears throat> probably went from you know. Uh, no one wanted to really give them credit with the spread for yeah. a while there. So, uh, let's see. Perry, they were 2-7 and seven against the spread this year. Not surprising. So, 1-6 and six is the favorite. <laughs> so, they're favorited in seven games. Favorited. Favorited in seven games, but they only covered one of those. Sounds about right. Uh, some other local teams. Uh, Jackson was four and six. Hoover six and three. Lake was seven and three. Glen Oak five and five. You know, I kept telling you about those pesky Glen Oak spreads. I just yeah. it was right on the money every single time. I never knew which way to go with it. Uh, Glen Oak was five and five. Green was one and six Damn. against the spread. Um, St. Ed's three and two. Central was two and two. Northwest. Two and five, so these are spreads that we've mentioned throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, like Central two and two, that's only four games. Well, it's because we only Had talked them about the, them yeah. as a spread four times. So the other games, not sure what the spreads would have been, or if they covered or didn't cover anything like that. But yeah, I mean, like in general, Maslin's five and four, Perry two and seven. All right, you know, good teams win, great teams cover. Yeah. Two and seven. Says a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, one other area game just to touch on. Ed's took it to Hoban pretty well. Yes. Uh, that was. I think that one caught everybody off guard, especially after uh, you know when Drew was on here. He said Ed's they're going to do their stuff. They're not really going to make many adjustments. Hoban, we've seen they've been a pretty good you know coaching staff, really game plan oriented. Um, and they were ranked, you know, number one D two for a while now. And to see them get mollywhopped by Eds, is that a sign of things to come? Did Hoban just have a bad game? I don't know. I think Eds has been getting better mm-hmm. since we faced them. Um, but I mean, last week against Moore, they only scored six. Yeah. So obviously, Moore is a really good team. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, we faced them week one. And still managed to put up points on them. Yeah. Um, so, I, I give Ed's credit, but I don't think Hoban is, uh, I don't think they're world beaters this year. Well, let's see. You know, that's, um, could be the wake-up call they needed. Could be a sign of things to come. All you can do is let the games play out and let everything shake out, see where mm-hmm. it goes from there. So... Beyond that, don't really have any fan questions this week, but I did find 
an actual interesting tidbit in in the Facebooks. Uh, somebody asked, what is Maslin's current record against the Fed? Right now, not, and this is not counting McKinley because, you know, that game is its own thing. Against current Federal League teams, what do you think our record is? Over what time period? Like, forever? Um, current Fed teams in there for, for, since the Fed's been the Fed. Alright, but like our career record against them? Like, what's our overall record against Glen Oak and Perry and yeah, yeah, what? Yeah. So yeah. all of them? Yeah. So, you know, this is really tough because now i got to think of how many times we played them like, over the years. You know, you got 120 years, 130 years of history here. So I'll give you a, I'll give you a total games played okay. or however this. Glen Oak was, uh, we played them 18 times, Jackson three times, Perry 19, never played Lake, Green once. And Hoover six times. What's so, the total? Total games played against the Fed I is. I think I have an idea of a couple 40, of them. Forty, um, forty-seven. Forty-seven mm-hmm. against the teams you just named off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Green's one loss. Golden Oak is. Over no late games. What was the total again? Forty-seven. Um, I don't know. Uh, Thirty-nine and eight. Damn! Right on the money. Really? Yeah. Thirty-nine and eight. So fourteen and four against Glen Oak. Three and zero oh against Jackson. Seventeen and two against Perry. Zero oh and one against Green. And five and one against Hoover. Yeah, I mean, that's the Fed. Yeah, so... They won't let us in for some reason. Uh, I mean, at this point, <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah. We get... At this point, I'd much rather have control of our own schedule and be able to play some stronger opponents because it, it seems like, you know, at this point, Federal League teams aren't getting us prepared for the teams we're going to face later in the playoffs, even though we tend to see the Fed teams a little bit earlier in the playoffs mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. I'm trying to... I was trying to look up the brackets, but I'm not finding it as quickly as I wanted to. So, uh, I mean, so we got Perry this week. Um, Jet or Lake is what ranked two in our region yeah. right now. Oh wait, here we go. You got her. I think so. Is this this guy. Yeah. So, oh, this isn't right. This is a week old because it has this point T's value. Ah. Um. Oh damn. I think we do end up we we play like the winner at Tees Valley and somebody else. No, that wouldn't be right. Could hmm. be the eight and nine teams. I don't know. Well, damn! I thought I had it. Well, I thought I could find it on somebody's page real quick. And... Yeah. Ah, let's see if I can pull it up. Let's see. Oh shit! Turn I. I bet this is just lovely for everybody listening right now. Mm-hmm. Um. AP polls, playoff score for information, idle schedules, and computer points. Okay. To region seven. Come on. These are old. Old, too. Well, I don't know. 
Yeah, that's a bitch. At one point, I like knew who we were playing the winner of, and I forget. Yeah, so Lake is ranked number two in the region, so if they make it, we wouldn't see them until... Week 14. Yeah, regional championship. So... Doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of competition in the region. Um, <clears throat> a couple of the same schools that we've had in the past, like Big Walnut. Yeah, so it's uh, we're one, Lakes two, Westerville South is three, Watkins Memorial is ranked four, Big Walnut five, Hoover six, St. Francis DeSales seven, Independence eight. Um, Dover's ten, Green's twelve. Dublin, Scioto, Scottle. Yep. Is 15. Tees Valley, 17. Worcester, 19. Snuck in there. Or, no, I'm sorry. What? At 19? No. <laughs> 16. Okay. It's they, Perry, got the, they have the entire region. I was just reading it down like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Perry, 16. Mm-hmm. But you got teams like Dublin, Big Walnut that we've played in the past. Yep. Lake is the number two. Green's out there. Uh, Hoover. Mm-hmm. All in the mix. Um, probably not gonna... whole lot of teams that aren't really worth talking about right now. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, Hoover, I mean, might see some, you know, familiar opponents, might not. It is what it is. Let the playoffs play out. But, interesting little history against the Fed there. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty, I mean, pretty impressive. Not that, I mean, Glen Oak had some good teams there for a while. We're going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Perry's had good teams also. They just haven't had great success against us. Um, but, yeah, you know. So, that's pretty much all I got tonight. Rob, you got anything else? I don't think so. I think, uh. Kind of got into a little bit, talked about the McKinley game. I mean, we got Perry up and coming. Uh, hopefully by the end of the week I can get into it a little bit more because it is Perry. Yeah. but not- I, I mean, the backyard brawl isn't what it used to be, if it ever was really anything. You know, it's one of those, it's like, I always look at it like uh, they're a little brother that, you know, they see this as a giant rivalry and we're just like, you're, you know, you are what you are never been a real threat to us snuck in a couple wins but beyond that we've dominated and it's it's kind of like what we're talking about with mckinley it's how how can you have a rivalry when one side is just molly whopping the other year after year after year yeah well i mean that has historical value to it it's still a huge rivalry you still sell out the stadium yeah um you know it's a really big event um, and it still feels like a rivalry, you know. But, yeah, they, they haven't been winning. So, you know, that makes it tough long term. But, yeah, with Perry, it's it's always just been somebody that's close to us. So we don't like them. Mm-hmm. It's not really like a rivalry. No. Yeah, it's just like they hate us. So it's like, all right, fine, we hate you too. Yeah. It's like, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll hate you just as much, but... We don't have much of a reason to outside of the hate you're giving us. So, yeah. So, with that, um, I really don't have anything else tonight. Rob, you got anything? No, not really. I think we touched on pretty much all of it. All right. So, uh, T Swift dropped an album this past Friday. 
So really enhanced my McKinley weekend experience. Uh, Going to listen to that, get me through the rest of this week and up to some mass and football on Friday. Knock out our neighbors out of the playoffs. So go Tigers. Beat Perry. Go Tigers. Very much. At the 28-yard line, first and 10, Tigers. And Patron is going to throw. Ball down the field, has Ballard open out there. Ballard has it over his shoulder. To the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Maslin. There you see the power set to the left. They bring in Miller and Billman up front. This is Hartson. Hartson. It's a touchdown, Maslin. Patron looks, Bay to the end zone with Ballard up there. Ballard's got it. And no signal yet. Got a blank space, baby. And I'll write your name. Less than a yard. That's Laubacher as quarterback. Now he's going to drop back. And Laubacher gets it away. Chasing it down is Brawley. Brawley in trouble. Now he'll cut it back upfield to the 15. Good speed. Austin Brawley. Look at this. To the 40. He's got a convoy. To the Perry 40. Down the field. Brawley. He's going to take it all the way. Dressed like a daydream. So it's gonna be forever. Or it's gonna go down in flames. You can tell me when it's over. Mm, if the high was worth the pain. Got a long list of ex lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. Cause you know I love the players. And you love the Andrew Wilson Lamb came in with just one touchdown catch this year. And the give is to Hartson. Hartson is going to walk it into the end zone. Touchdown, Maslin. Hartson needs to thank. They'll tell you I'm insane. But I've got a blank space, baby. And I'll write your name. Boys, only one love if it's torture. Don't say I didn't, say I didn't warn ya. Boys, Sponsors, we couldn't bring you this great high school football coverage. Ball down the field looking for Ballard, and he's got it! Touchdown, Tigers! Johnson. Johnson looks like he's going to throw, and he does. Ballard, he's got it. The two-point conversion is good. I'm insane. 
and I'll write your name.